Tapping the Keg Daily is live for Monday. It is November 27th. We're going to talk end of the year Wisconsin sports importance rankings. We're going to also talk about the Milwaukee Bucks puzzling weekend 2-0, but man, did not exactly feel like it. And then we'll talk about week 12 in the NFL and how it affected the Packers from a playoff positioning for the games that are on deck, the whole the whole thing. So we'll We'll discuss that all today, uh, but, but before we get going, you know what we like to do, pump out that social media, tapping the keg on Twitter, tapping the keg sports, Instagram, TikTok, as well as Facebook. Make sure you're following along in as many platforms as you can. We appreciate it. Everything, I would say a little different uh, per channel, in my opinion, but you might you might agree or disagree on, on that one. Uh, if you're already following, I know we've had a lot of people come in on TikTok recently, a little bit on Twitter as well. Uh, we do this podcast four days a week. Usually we do Monday, Tuesday, then we take off Wednesday, and then Thursday, Friday. And one time a week we do it with our guy Mitch. But uh, because the in-season tournament and Marquette play on Tuesday, uh, we're going to bump uh, our – so we're going to take off tomorrow, and then we're going to have a pod on – on Tuesday, uh, heading into the in-season tournament. So that's kind of the plan for that, uh, for those who care. Um, but that's kind of going to be what we're doing this week. Um, and if you like what you've heard, we're on Apple, we're on Spotify, or wherever else you get your podcast, we are there for you. So uh, make sure that you are checking us out and subscribed. Uh, we'd appreciate a review. We'd appreciate you sharing this out to your friends. We know that holiday season, a lot of people are hanging out with others is a great conversation topic. Hey, have you heard of Tapping the Keg Sports? Uh, it's a great, you know, local podcast, totally independent. It's not kowtowing to anybody, uh, and they just give their takes on everything going on in the world of Wisconsin sports. All right, let's talk about the end of the year importance rankings. So if you guys have been with us for a while, you know, importance rankings are something that we've done for probably over a year maybe maybe a little more maybe a little less and basically we talk about the most important things in that month and usually i would pick out 10 things and identify 10 things 10 and it would be players coaches games teams themselves and i decided to do it a little bit differently this year um you know things that get stale you gotta try something new in the bedroom right uh so i'm doing something a little bit different where we're going to rank the, the most important teams for the rest of the year. We're going to then talk about the most important players and coaches for the rest of the year. And then we're going to talk about the most important games. Now, I hope that this isn't going to take me 40 minutes. It might. Uh, but I, I think that that is a great way to kind of really set the table for what we have going on the rest of the year. Because it's going to be an awesome end of the year, right? You know, you have a lot of things in motion. So I, I definitely want to talk about all of those. And we start with the teams. And oh, by the way, I, I should preface this. Uh, if you guys are new or you don't know, um, there will be no Badger basketball mention. And it's not like a slight at Badger basketball, okay? Uh, it's just, I am not a fan of Badger basketball. Um, and I'm, I, w- I wanna talk about this sometime. I, I maybe have talked about it today, but I feel like we have a loaded show. So maybe it's something we can do on Wednesday or even on Friday as we head into Wisconsin Marquette, which will be talked about. But I'm a Marquette fan. So I, the Badger schedule doesn't exactly move me either way. Like they have big games. I think they play Michigan State 
uh, here in December. But like, I, I'm not going to be moved by a Badger game either way. So if you're wondering, hey, where's Wisconsin? Why aren't they being talked about? That's why. It's one of the, the sports or the teams that we, we do not cover. So uh, apologies for that. Um, but that's kind of it's kind of how we're how we're rolling here today. So just wanted to call it out for the people. Let's let's get in to the importance rankings and let's start with the teams. So to me, the most important teams for the end of the year are the Green Bay Packers, in this order, are the Green Bay Packers are number one. I think the Packers, you know, the fact that they are potentially looking at a playoff spot, that they're looking at the development of their football team, I think it's a very important month for Green Bay. Um, And now I know there are people who still want the Packers to kind of sag a little bit and go for a draft pick. I, I think we're past that, honestly. I mean, you're five and six, you're right in the fucking thick of it. And I think that it makes for a very fun December. I think back in October, none of us thought that this was really possible. I, honestly, you know, we're doing, we're projecting this out in October. The Packers are probably third and we're like, well, we'll have them on, we'll watch, but they don't really mean much. It's just, they're, we're just positioning for the next generation of Green Bay Packers football. But this young team has come on strong and has built some momentum heading into the end of the year. Number two is Marquette Golden Eagles. I know what you're going to say. I know you're going to be like, where's the Milwaukee Bucks? Well, I I think with Marquette, they just have more important games on their roster, right? They have some important non-conference games. They have some important conference games. Big East Conference kicks off in the middle of December. So I just think they have a more important end of the year than the Milwaukee Bucks do, who are number three. And the Milwaukee Bucks, while they have the in-season tournament, uh, things aren't going to be decided, you know, in December, right? We're not going to know exactly who the Milwaukee Bucks are. Like they're 12 and five right now. And we'll talk about the weekend they, they just had, but it, it's a team that is kind of uneven at this point. Like, I don't know if we exactly know what the Bucks are yet. And I think it frustrates the fan base. Like this is probably a larger discussion maybe with Mitch later this week, but it's like, I think the fan base wants to figure out this team. And I think they want to like know immediately what they're getting because they're so used to having the Mike Boonholzer system and they know what Mike Boonholzer is all about. And so because it's different and it's not the same and things are just, it's not, you know, what you're used to. Everybody's coming up with their own ideas and are there things wrong? Yeah, absolutely. But I I do wonder, you know, are we going to, by the end of this year, know what the Milwaukee Bucks are all about? Do we, are we going to have a clear understanding of what Bucks basketball is? I I don't know. Uh, Number four is Badger football. They're going to play in a bowl game. I don't know how meaningful that bowl game is going to be. It can be a springboard for them. Uh, I personally hope that they start Braden Locke. They probably won't. I think Tanner Mordecai is a leader in this team. But I, I do think like Braden Locke should be, and younger guys should be sort of playing in that game as a springboard for Badger football. Um, you know, they had a great win against Minnesota. A very dominant Braylon Allen performance. I don't know if Braylon Allen will play in the bowl game, uh, but... It, it, to me, like this should be a springboard for next year as you know, last year's bowl was, I think they were in the cheese bowl last year. I can't, can't recall. I know they're in Arizona. I think it's the guarantee rate bowl. I think the cheese it sponsorship has moved uh, different bowls. Those bowl names change more than, <laughs> than I was going to say more than, than, a, than a young woman, but it, it's true. I mean, like we, you never know exactly what bowl game it is, but yeah. 
Uh, Badgers number four, um, just considering they're playing in a lower tier bowl, but still can, you know, as I said, you know, get you ready for next year. Also, they're going to have the transfer portal stuff. Are they keeping a lot of guys in the portal, you know, out of the portal? Are they taking guys in from the portal? We'll have to see. Uh, Dave Doran of NC State, uh, former Badger coach, it's called the worst week of the year in college football. Um, so we'll see what happens there. And then lastly, Milwaukee Brewers. And I'll just put the Brewers there because. I don't think any of us know what will happen, right? Baseball free agency is so fucking weird because you don't have like a day where everybody just goes crazy and spends a bunch of money like you see in the NFL, like you see in the NBA. It's just a slow, methodical burn. It's like a brisket in the slow cooker. Like it's like, okay, and then you, you, little pieces of bark will come off. We'll be like, okay, we're we're doing a uh, two-year, $24 million deal for Kenta Maeda for the Tigers. That's all we got this weekend for baseball transactions. That's not to say that next week or three, three weeks after, the Brewers could be traded Corbin Burns. You know, you, you just never know with baseball free agency. So yes, that is the team importance rankings. Moving on to, and let, let's just give it, you know, the list again here. So it's the Packers, it's Marquette, it's the Bucks, it's the Badger football team, and it's the Brewers. And that's, that's the order. So now we'll go into players and coaches. I have this list as a long one. I will probably not go into great detail on every person that I have had listed here, but at least the first 10 we're going to talk and a little more, you know, we'll get, we'll get into it, if you will. Number one for me is Jordan Love. Uh, I, I think that with the development of the team, that's obviously correlated to the quarterback. Uh, Jordan Love has played absolutely out of his mind the last four weeks of the season. Um, everybody's opinion on Jordan Love seems to be turning. Uh, he is playing great football. He's playing confident football. He's playing like a guy who's kind of getting it. I mean, there are there still you know moments that you know put your heart in your asshole. Absolutely, but. Jordan Love is playing such better football and such composed football, and he is not sort of afraid of the big moment. And he went in there on primetime, well, not primetime, but it was a national audience. Everybody had their eyes on Jordan Love, and he absolutely ripped it. Um, we'll have to see what the narrative around Love will be on this Monday. I mean, it is, you know, it's been a long time, you know, in the football news cycle. Everybody's probably going to be talking about what happened Sunday, talking about the Bills and Eagles, uh, which was an incredible football game. But you have to know what Jordan Love is doing. And they are a real threat against Kansas City this week. And Love also looked really good against the Lions the second time he's seen him. He's actually has seen this Chiefs defense before. He knows what Spagnola is going to kind of throw at him. He, he seems like more composed under the blitz, which was a problem earlier in this year. I think what Jordan Love is doing is really something special. Now, is there a chance that he could back end an MVP? Probably not. Like the only way the Pat he could win MVP is if he just goes on an absolute tear here and they don't lose a game. Like if they finish, uh, what would that be? Nine and no, uh, eleven and six. If they are eleven and six and they win the division. And they're like the three seed, and yeah, probably because I, I NFC South. Then yeah, maybe right. Then I could I could have we could have a dialogue, but I don't I don't necessarily think that's going to happen. But Jordan Love's been playing great, and his development I think is extremely important for the rest of the year, even if the Packers don't make the playoffs. 
Number two is Damian Lillard. I, I just think Damian Lillard has had a okay start to his time at the Milwaukee Bucks. I, I, maybe better than okay. Like, uh, let's just call it above average, right? Like, I, I think the closing time stuff, the game time stuff is real. Like, the Milwaukee Bucks are always in basketball games. They are never out of it. Also, late in games, you just feel more confident that the Bucks are going to find a bucket because of Damian Lillard. And he just has this clutch gene that it's so hard to explain slash quantify unless you're watching it every night. He just is so comfortable in those late game moments, which is really good. But I still think Damian Lillard's a little bit working himself back into shape. Uh, I think that his three-point shooting has not got back to where we usually see it. Now, he is a guy that sort of, as the year goes on, he gets better. So hopefully we'll start seeing this with Damian Lillard and we'll start seeing him make more shots from deep. But he's doing enough. I just think it's an important month for him to kind of start continuing to build that chemistry with Giannis Antetokounmpo and the rest of the team. It's it's starting to set in. And I think that's a really good thing going forward. Number three is Oso Yudara. Oso Yudara had a great Maui. Uh, probably one of the premier players out of Maui. Uh, guy who probably helped his draft stock the most. And now I'm just really curious to see if he can transfer it over, right? Is is this the Oso Yudara that we're going to get the rest of the month and the rest of the year? Uh, he just ha- plays a great inside-out game. And I know he doesn't shoot the ball, but when I say outside game, it's more just his passing and his ability to set screens and roll. Like, as I've said a couple times, like the Bucks could learn a lot from the pick and rolls that Oso and Tyler Kolek run. And they're absolutely lethal. Now, I'm curious to see if teams will try to apply similar methods that we saw at Kansas and even UCLA apply to Tyler Kolek uh, and which freed up Iguodara or do they not have the talent to do it, right? Those are some of the more talented rosters. Like UCLA is probably going to be maybe not a bubble team, but, you know, right above that bubble line, Uh, maybe like a six or seven seed this season. But they're still extremely talented. So that's where it's like, how many teams are going to match that? So we'll we'll have to see if that helps slash hurts Iguodara. But I'm very high on him. I said he could be a Big East Player of the Year candidate. I still stand by it. I think he's off to a great start and just very curious to see if it continues. Number four is Adrian Griffin. Adrian Griffin, you know, has been under a lot of scrutiny. Um, you know, there were the think pieces about firing Adrian Griffin a couple weeks ago. The Milwaukee Bucks are 12-5 and five, uh, to start their you know, season with Griffin. Now, some people could say the Bucs really have not played a great schedule, that they're just stacking wins against bad teams. I would tell you, I don't care. Um, I, I think that a win is a win. If you're looking at premier basketball that they've played, now you know the Heat were missing. They missed Bam out of bio when... Uh, the Bucks played the Heat, but Bam's been out for other games. So the Bucks are two and one against those like big teams, right? Miami, Philadelphia, as well as you know Boston. So they lost to Boston. They haven't really played a lot of of teams from the West. I don't even know have they played anybody. You know, on the oh no, the Blazers. I think the Blazers might have been the first team that they played that was a Western Conference team. So we haven't necessarily seen a lot of good teams against Milwaukee, but still, 
your record is what you know you're just sometimes you're you're still 12 and 5 right i'm not gonna apologize for 12 and 5 and adrian griffin is still trying to figure things out now i think it would help to get a top assistant i think that they're still a coach short i i don't know if that process is ongoing i think the sooner you get him in that the better like that's going to that's going to help out your team but I, I do think that Adrian Griffin, you know, will continue to develop as an NBA coach here as the year goes on. And, and there's still going to be a lot of commentary around Griffin. But I, I kind of hope that subsides by the end of the year. Number five is Jair Alexander. I, here's the thing with Jair. I, I know he's not played for a couple of weeks. I think there's just a lot of pressure on Jair uh, because I think the fan base has kind of turned on Jair, I heard Ross Algram, who I don't know if he still does work for the Packers. He's a Packer Twitter guy. Uh, but he was saying, I, I don't understand the hate or how the fan base has got, gotten on Jair. It's been really weird. I think the frustration with Jair is he just doesn't tackle, right? Like he just plays when he wants to. He doesn't exactly always take the, bit, the best guy. I realize some of that scheme. I realize that's Joe Barry too. But I think that we want to see the Jair that gave a shit at the end of last year. And it just seems like for Alexander, it comes in spurts. He plays when he wants to. And that's the frustrating thing. When you give this guy, you know, 80 plus million dollars, who should be one of the leaders of your defense. And he just does not feel that way. And I, I think that's the frustration that I think a lot of Packer fans have with Jair. So can he kind of do what he did last year and have a really strong end to his season? Number six is Giannis Antetokounmpo. Giannis has been playing great, uh, even if the NBA doesn't want to notice it. Uh, if Antetokounmpo has a great in-season tournament, if the Bucs do advance, I wonder if that will be a springboard for an MVP case, uh, just because all eyes will be on Antetokounmpo, as well as Lillard for that matter. But I, Giannis has done really well with Damian Lillard out on the floor. I realize the pick and roll stuff isn't exactly there just yet. But the floor is so much more open. It's not as clogged as it was with Drew Holiday, with Chris Middleton. And it's just creating so many more opportunities for Antetokounmpo. And he's getting about 30 points a night. I realize scoring in the NBA is way up. Uh, you know, Eric, my guy, uh, one of my buddies, pointed out on Twitter yesterday how the Bucks' defensive rating would be like last a couple of years ago or like in the 20s. But it's in the teens now because just everybody is scoring so fucking much. It's absolutely crazy, you know, the scoring in the NBA and how it's up, which makes for a fun brand of basketball, honestly. Um, so yeah, Giannis is number number six. Um, number seven is the Marquette bench. Uh, again, this is kind of off Maui. Like, are they going to continue the way they played in Maui? You know, Sean Jones really, you know, looked the part of a six man. Like, I think his small stature, he, they say he's 5'10", he's not, I think he's more 5'9", 5'8", but he just gets into the paint. He's extremely fast. Shaka Smart called him the fastest player in college basketball. Uh, and he's able to now control his speeds. He kind of is like Luis Mendoza, figuring out how to break. Like that's what Sean Jones is doing. And so that's really fun to watch. Chase Ross, you know, hasn't really shown the high flying ability that he had last season, but he's kind of doing a lot of the little things. And he's definitely a vital player they have off their bench in Ben Gold. Now, Ben Gold had a rough game against Zach Eady, but look, like how many Zach Eadies are going to see this season. Now, hopefully he takes that and learns when he faces Kalbrenner from Creighton. That's probably your next big test uh, later in this year. So to me, like those guys are all going to matter for the success of Marquette basketball. Can they win without him? Probably. 
But you're, you're going to need one or two of those guys to have moments in the big games. Like against Wisconsin this weekend, you're going to need one of those guys to step up. You're going to need one of those guys to have you know anywhere from 8 to 12 points. Like That's going to be very important to the success of your team. Number eight, I believe, Christian Watson. Uh, kind of did the same Jair thing. You know, Watson had such a good game on Thursday, you know, his best game of the season. And I think that you're, you know, seeing that potential breakout with Watson and finally him and Jordan Love getting on the same page. I think that is a huge development for the rest of the year. I put him lower on the list only because I don't know if you're going to see that, you know, all season, right? Like, I, is this a blip on the radar? Is this just one game, a one-hit wonder? Or is this something that is bigger? And if it is, like, yeah, then Watson moves way up the list. And then if he becomes that wide receiver one by the end of the year, like, then you add the Jaden Reed stuff. If Luke Musgrave comes back from the lacerated kidney. Like, you have an embarrassment of riches. Don Travian Wicks, like, you have an embarrassment of riches. We didn't even talk about Romeo Dobbs. Like, they are really, really set up for next season. Playoffs or no playoffs for this year. Tyler Kolick is number nine. I think what I talked about with uh, Kolick earlier, just figuring out how to play with teams, kind of having the target on your back. I think he did well. I mean, even if the stats don't show it, I know he played well. He had the big stats against Purdue. He was still very much affecting that Purdue, uh, Kansas game, that UCLA game. Like he was still very involved with what was going on, and the presence of him, you know, makes it you know easier for other guys. And if he can continue to do that and continue to kind of, it, you know embrace that role, I think Marquette's going to be in a really good spot. And now some days you're going to need Tyler Kolick to be the guy to grab the game by the dick. But I think there is that great balance and he's done a good job so far. So I, I hope that continues. And then lastly at 10, I have a few other guys that we'll mention after is Rashawn Gary. Rashawn Gary, you know, is looking like the leader of this defense um, and looking like the guy, you know, we just talked about how we wanted Jair to be that guy. I, I think it's Rashawn Gary. Uh, Rashawn Gary, you know, three sacks on Thanksgiving Day, coming up with a big moment, you know, looking like a young Reggie White. Now that's obviously hyperbole, but like he played his ass off in that game against the Lions. And it's so funny that Matt Schneidman had a comment about, oh, Rashawn Gary hasn't had enough sacks after you paid him. And it's like, Schneidman, like it's four weeks. Like that, that is such a small sample size in the grand scheme of things in the NFL. And Rashawn Gary has just went the fuck off since that column came out. And he's become sort of this force that is putting him in that next tier of guys. You know, the fact that, you know, Chris Long, who I really like, uh, was with Ryan Russell and they were talking about Ed Rusher. He didn't mention Rashawn Gary. I was like, okay, Rashawn Gary has some work to do to kind of get himself known. And maybe, you know, game against Kansas City where it's national TV again can start wrecking shit. Like the Packers have a ample opportunities to kind of introduce themselves to the national audience with their game against the Chiefs and then Monday night against the New York Giants the following week. So we'll see if they can continue to do that. Also scary that they play at MetLife with all the injuries that have happened, by the way. Uh, the last few guys I'll just run through quick. Braylon Allen was my number 11. I just, I wonder, you know, will he play the last game? Will he, you know, opt out and go to the NFL draft? Uh, number 12 is Joe Barry. You always got to keep an eye on Joe Barry, right? Joe Barry, you know, has this on a silver platter. The Packers have a pretty easy schedule down the stretch. Can Joe Barry, you know, capitalize on that? Will the Packers win despite Barry? I know the Packers defense by the numbers looks very good. I feel like last game against the Lions was 
probably the best version of that Green Bay Packer defense. Number 13 is Chris Middleton. I just, you know, is Chris Middleton going to be healthy? Are we going to actually see Chris Middleton in the month of December? And then lastly, it's Matt Arnold. Um, and kind of the similar Brewer point earlier, it's like, we don't know. Like Matt Arnold, he can make a big swing and dick move. And then all of a sudden, Matt Arnold's like a very important person to what the Brewers are doing. But I, I think as of now, that's kind of where, where we have everybody from a player perspective. So running through the list again, Jordan Love, Damian Lillard, number two, uh, Oso Yudar, number three, Adrian Griffin, number four, Jair, number five, Giannis, number six, Marquette's Bench, number seven, number eight, Christian Watson, number nine, uh, Tyler Kolick, and number 10, Rashawn Gary. All right, let's move to the games and then we'll wrap it up uh, and then we'll move on to other things. So the most important games that are on the schedule for the end of the year. Uh, number one is the Green Bay Packers against the Minnesota Vikings. Um, that game could be the play, could decide the playoffs. And the Packers have done that before. Um, they went into Minnesota, I think it was the same time, the year, the game before the last game, and went into Minnesota and won the division. On a Monday night, uh, all eyes were on them. Right now, that is the NBC game. I think, you know, again, in October, we were like, no, that's gonna get flexed out. Like, we'll find, there'll be another game that is the month is the Sunday night game, but now it could be for a playoff spot. And with the way the Vikings are playing, and I know they had a close loss to Denver, but I think Denver actually is kind of good. Uh, and I, I think that it's going to come down to the wire between the Packers and Vikings. And the Packers could at least tie the season series with Minnesota. Uh, Jordan Love's first experience at US Bank Stadium, which can be a very loud and raucous environment. Uh, you know, you'll get to have a lot of tape on Josh Jobs. I think that will help, you know, Green Bay and sort of know what Josh Jobs is. Uh, now, could one of these teams fall apart? Yeah, for sure. At Minnesota's schedule, they do play the Lions. Uh, I believe once before that. Uh, so they, I think that might be the week before they play the Packers. So yes, there's possible that Minnesota could do sort of their December thing. Who, and we talked about the Lions collapsing on Friday. Like Minnesota also has that collapse gene in them. But as of now, Packers and Vikings on Sunday Night Football, New Year's Eve is going to be very important. Weird dynamic, right, with New Year's Eve, just from a fan watching perspective. I feel like that gives you an excuse to throw parties, right? And have people over and not necessarily go to the bars because the bars are getting ready for New Year's yet. Everybody wants to watch the Packers. It's kind of like, what do you do? Uh, very interesting dynamic there. Uh, number two, Marquette, Wisconsin, uh, this Saturday. Uh, just, you know, the rivalry in college basketball for Wisconsin sports. But, you know, Marquette or Wisconsin fans want to say it's not a rivalry. It is a rivalry. I, I know it's more important to the Southeastern Corridor of Wisconsin, uh, but it, it's a big it's a big game. I, I think it's a big game for Marquette because they haven't beat Wisconsin the last two years. They've not won against the Badgers under Shaka Smart. And then for Wisconsin, it's you know a huge opportunity for a resume win. And it's a huge resume opportunity for the Badgers. Um, they were able to capitalize on one with Virginia. Uh, I don't know how big the SMU win will look at the end of the year, but the Badgers could really bolster their resume if they can beat Marquette in the non-con. And the Badgers might be ranked. Um, we, AP poll is not out. Um, they are definitely hovering around that top 25. Number three is the Bucks in-season tournament. Uh, as of now, the Bucks are going to be in the quarterfinals. Now they could lose to Miami and then it gets really weird. So there is a potential that the Bucks could have a week off, right? 
Uh, but it's looking more likely that the Bucks are going to be involved in that in-season tournament. Um, and, you know, is it going to be the Celtics? I don't think the Sixers are going to be in. You know, who are they facing in that quarterfinal? And then are they going to get to Vegas? And then will the Bucks have an opportunity to take home that in-season tournament? Damian Lillard talked about the importance of making money for the young guys and trying to get them the extra five, 500000 That's more about them than it is, you know, the stars. So very curious to see if the Bucks are going to be readily involved. And then what are the narratives about the Bucks? How do those change with the in-season tournament and all eyes on Milwaukee? Number four, Packers-Chiefs this Sunday. Uh, awesome game. Very excited. Was not as excited, again, for this game a month ago, but now with the Packers playing well and the Chiefs, I know they looked okay against the Vegas Raiders. I think that this is, you know, a premier game and should be a lot of fun. Uh, Mahomes, I think it's his first Lambo experience, so that's that's adds another element to it. It should be an awesome game uh, in Lambo on Sunday night. Number four, number five is Marquette versus Creighton. Creighton and Marquette have quite the rivalry. Uh, Shock Smart celebrating in Omaha last year. Uh, Creighton, who was a top 10 team, they're going to fall because they lost uh, inexplicably to Colorado State, uh, which was just a shocker. It was on Thanksgiving. It might have flown under the radar, but they got absolutely mollywhopped by the Colorado State Rams, who are a decent team. But I mean, that was just very surprising. You know, it's a similar conversation. Like that you see with Purdue, they brought a lot of their guys back. They added some guys as well. But Ken, how, how do they do against Callbrenner? They were really good against him last year. Uh, they, again, swept Creighton. They they got him when they had all their mono issues. And then it was like, oh, Creighton had full strength. It didn't matter. So can Marquette keep that up against Creighton? That's going to be a premier game. Awesome kind of environment, likely. Uh, it's going to be 1 o'clock on the 30th of December. So it's, you know, right before New Year's. Everybody will have off. Everybody will be, you know, getting rowdy for that one. I'll be in the building for it. I cannot wait. Should be an awesome matchup between the two of them. Also a CBS game, by the way. So it's premier premier television uh, for your Marquette Golden Eagles at number four. And number five, the Milwaukee Bucks against the San Antonio Spurs. Look, the Spurs are not that exciting of a basketball team, but it's Giannis versus Victor Wembanyama. The first Giannis versus Wemby matchup. Uh, just absolute two freaks going at it. Uh, will be really fun to see what Antetokounmpo does to Wembenyama. Uh, if you don't know, Giannis loves to take advantage of rookies. Uh, I still remember when he did to Jabari Smith in his, I think his second game as a pro. Uh, Giannis is not afraid. He's going to go right at Wembenyama. Uh, it would not surprise me if he's going to try to put Wemby on a poster. Wemby will try to go at Giannis too, but I think this is where you'll see the size advantage. I know the Spurs aren't good, but that's almost one where you try to get to the Pfizer for that. Because that, I mean, it's just Tuesday night. Uh, there should be some opportunity there. But yeah, that's number five. Number six, Bucks Pacers. Uh, just, you know, Indiana and the Bucks played a wild shootout game, you know, earlier this year in Indiana. I think this one will be in Milwaukee. Uh, how do the Bucks respond to that? Uh, hopefully they have Damian Lillard for it. They didn't have him for that last matchup. You know, will that change things? Will it, that hurt things? I don't think so. Uh, the Pacers continue to play maybe the most fun brand of basketball uh, that you're seeing this year. But is it sustainable uh, with the defense that they're playing? Uh, number seven, Marquette versus Texas. The Shaka Smart revenge game. Uh, Texas visits Marquette for a the Big 12 Big East showdown. Uh, we haven't really heard much 
about Texas this year, but they added Max Abrams from Oral Roberts. Tyrese Hunter from Racine will be playing in that game, so a homecoming for him. You know, Shadrick, uh, who got he got banged up. I don't know if he's back playing, but Texas, you know, has you know done a little bit so far this year. They lost to UConn, uh, so that will be a big game next Wednesday night again in the building for that, which will be fun. Um, and we'll see if Shaka Smart can get his revenge. I know Shaka will say it's not about him, but low-key it is, and they love their coach. So I think they'll want to you know, send a message to the Texas Longhorns. Uh, number, what's that, eight? Uh, Marquette and Providence. Uh, first Big East game, Providence has looked, I think, better than expected so far this year uh, under Cam English. Uh, always a tough place to play, uh, mostly because the mob buys off the referees. Uh, there's a mob in Port Providence. If you know, you know. And so Cam Marquette sort of bounced back from the game they lost last year in double overtime where Providence got 48 free throws. And kind of my introduction to Marquette Twitter with the rant after that game review I had, which was extremely popular. I think Jerome McNeil retweeted that one. That was that one was like, there are some reviews where it's like, oh my God, like, wow. Uh, and that's definitely one of them. Uh, number, was that, nine, Bucks Knicks. Uh, look, I I think with it's Christmas Day, uh, they also play the Knicks, you know, on the 23rd, on 1130. You want to see a hungover basketball team? Watch Milwaukee Bucks team on Saturday with the day off uh, before that in New York, 11:30. The Knicks are savages for starting those games early. That's just just asking for hangovers. Um, but anyways, Bucks on Christmas. It's definitely it would be higher, you know, if it was Bucks Celtics, if it was Bucks Sixers. But the fact that we're the 11 a.m. game, you know, pushing the Bucks to the side, just a real shame, um, you know. But that's that's it. Like you lose in the first round. You get less of a Christmas Christmas Day game, and that's what happened here. Um, and we have the Bucks, you know, in the you know on the road for I think what the first time in a couple of years. Um, so we're getting Bucks Knicks. Uh, Giannis does does well against that Knicks team. Jalen Brunson went off for forty five the last time those two teams played. Weird that they're going to be playing back to back games. I feel like that makes the the game itself a little has a little less juice to it in my opinion. Uh, but. Awesome for you know New York fans. They get two night two two straight days of Giannis. I think actually they're in Brooklyn, so the Bucks are like in New York for like four days. They're like Kevin McAllister, you know, in Home Alone too. Uh, lastly, the Badger Bowl game. I looked at the projections um, of that, and I, I don't necessarily know where they're going just yet. We will know next Sunday after the conference championship games. Uh, but you know, in order, I think this is the where I'm the most fascinated. LSU would be number one. You know, if Jaden Daniels does win the Heisman, the Badgers then going up against Jalen Jalen Dan, Jaden Daniels, that Badger offense against the bad LSU defense would be something fun to watch. Uh, Brian Kelly versus Luke Fickle, uh, which they've met before, I believe, a couple times, and so you know that whole sort of a lot of dynamics there. Um, that to me would be the most fun matchup of the ones that I've seen projected. Uh, Wisconsin versus Texas A&M would be fun just because how many Texas A&M players would be played. They have a new coach in Mike Elko. I don't know if Elko would plan, would plan to coach the bowl game kind of like Fickle did, uh, but that would be really fun to just see how many Texas A&M guys actually fucking play. I think Max Johnson, their quarterback, who I believe is hurt, uh, is going into the transfer portal already. So how many guys will Texas A&M even have? And then Auburn would be last. And the only reason why I put Auburn last is just because they do not play that fun brand of football. Uh, also, I, I can't imagine Auburn will have a lot of juice left after their Alabama loss. I, I could not believe that. Uh, it was fourth and 31. I was at a bar, drunk uncle, shout out. They do not put on a lot of sports. So I had that on my phone because I was like, oh my God, Alabama could lose. And 
the Milrow 4-31. I heard the Nightmare and Jordan Hare. Uh, just an absolute, just, I, I could not believe, like, as Milrow continued to kind of scramble, and if, it, like, he just all of a sudden, like, I think he has a guy down there. And sure enough, absolute dot for Milrow. That Alabama team, I, I don't know. I think they, they are live against Georgia. I don't know if they can win, but I, I don't know if I'm just going to just blindly back the Georgia Bulldogs in this game. Uh, I, I think it, that Alabama team has something, man. I, I, they've, they've really sort of figured it out. And it's funny, if you had a 12-team playoff right now, does anybody want to play Alabama? Uh, that, that's kind of my thought there. So anyways, yeah, that's a little side on that. But Auburn... I wouldn't be as excited for. I think LSU for sure, uh, AM and Auburn, not so much. Also, could have some conflicts, right? Uh, the Badger Bowl game, like if they do play, you know, in the Music City, that's right when Marquette's playing Creighton. Uh, the in season tournament, I also am going to miss if the Bucks are in the finals because Marquette is playing that day at eight o'clock. I have tickets for the Marquette Notre Dame game, which is that night. So that would be kind of a bummer, um, honestly, uh, but we'd figure that out. We don't worry. We'll, we'll make it, we'll, we'll make it right. We'll, we'll figure out how to, how to make that work. Uh, we'll, maybe we'll ask Mitch to do a review. Uh, we'll get Mitch in his review game and tap into the bullpen. We'll, we'll see if we need to do that. All right. So let's run through the games, and then we'll move on to the Bucks and the, this weekend. Okay, so as Packers, Vikings, Marquette, Wisconsin, Bucks and Seattle Turbot, Packers, Chiefs, Marquette, Creighton, Bucks, Spurs, Bucks, Pacers, Marquette, Texas, Marquette, Providence, and then the Bucks, Knicks, and then whatever bowl game that Wisconsin is in. All right, let's move on. Let's talk about the Milwaukee Bucks puzzling weekend. So the Milwaukee Bucks are two and zero this weekend. They beat the Portland Trailblazers and they beat the Washington Wizards. Doesn't exactly feel that way. Uh, does not exactly feel like that. The Bucks could be 0-2, they could be 1-1. They were in an absolute dogfight with the Washington Wizards on Friday night, and then on Sunday, they had to come back from 26 points down. While it's crazy that they came back from 26 points down, they did pull it out, they are 2-0, a win is a win, you can keep saying that, but it doesn't exactly make people feel good about this basketball team. We talked about it, you know, when we were doing the importance rankings that there is this uneven, uneasy feeling about this Milwaukee Bucks team. I think a lot of it is because we just don't know what it is. And the NFLcation of the NBA where every game matters and every game is a talking point has sort of led us to this point where we have to have an opinion about this Milwaukee Bucks team instead of playing it out, instead of seeing what's potentially lurking around the corner and know that it's going to take time, that there is a lot of moving pieces, that this is probably not the version of the Bucks that will be here at the end of the year, that guys are probably going to move out, right? I, I think that that is all understood and that is all sort of thought about, but I don't think that people are spending enough time, 
you know, focusing on the the good, right? Like it's always negative. And, I, and there are negatives. And we're going to do a little positive negative about the weekend. Uh, but I, I think that it's really important to know that there are good things happening about this basketball team. You do not go 12 and 5 without good things happening to you, okay? Like 12 and 5 is a good record. It is a good start. You have two games left in November. So if you win both of them, you're 14 and 5 to start the month. If you don't win both or you lose both, you're still 12 and 7. That's a pretty good first month with all the new moving pieces. If you go 1 and 1, that's 13 and 6. Again, pretty good fucking month. Like you can't be mad about that. Like I understand there are concerns, right? When we'll talk through some of them, but you have to at least look at it at a more macro level. And I think so many Bucks fans right now are getting into the weeds. They're getting into the details and they're letting the details sort of consume them and drown their fandom instead of looking at the bigger picture and saying, all right, this team is still finding ways to win basketball games. Do, do they need to do this? No. Giannis talked about it after game. He's like, we can't put ourselves down 26 points. He's absolutely right. He's like, it takes a toll on us. And yes, that's going to affect them against Miami. It will not be surprising if the Bucs have tired legs for an in-season tournament game that they have to win and the Heat have to win. And when Miami needs to win basketball games, you know what Miami's all about. Like this is showtime for the Miami Heat, typically. So I do think that there are things to work on, but yeah, I think we have to be happy at least about where the Bucks are. If they were, okay, seven and seven, right? They are, uh, yeah, they are, no, 17 games, pardon me. If they were nine and eight or eight and nine right now, yeah, we'd be freaking the fuck out and we should. They have too much talent and the schedule was light for them to be eight and nine or nine and eight. The fact that they're beating these teams, even though it is in unconventional ways and it's ways that make us uncomfortable and ways that, you know, make us sort of think differently about this team, we're still winning the goddamn game. And so I, I think that's a really important thing for Bucks fans. And I think they have to sort of start, you know, retraining their brain and thinking about this team differently. This is not Mike Boone team. You've got to get the old sort of ways of the Bucks and Drew and Chris out of your head. It's a different mindset. It's a different team. And I, I think the sooner people do that, the better they're going to be. But like I said, positive and negatives from the weekend. Positive, I always like starting positive. They're finding ways to win in the fourth quarter. The Bucks are one of the best, if not the best team in the fourth quarter. They have so many issues last year in the fourth quarter. They were awful at closing games out. Remember, it was something that we would talk about periodically do the podcast, whether it was just myself or with Mitch, and we'd say, wow, the Bucs again blew a fourth quarter lead, or they things got tight for the Bucs at the end instead of shutting the door. Now, the Bucs aren't necessarily pulling away in the fourth quarter. That's sort of the next phase of this. But the Bucs are making sure that if they're even if they're trailing, you know, into the fourth quarter, that they're making it a game by the end of it. You know, that Boston game, while we want to be frustrated they lost, the fact they nearly beat that Celtics team, the fact that they nearly found a way to close them out sort of speaks to their fourth quarter prowess. They are very comfortable already in those clutch situations. And I think that is a really important thing for the Bucs going forward. A negative, the fuck around and find out for this team is super high. That that part is concerning. I, I mean, it's like, what are you going to get, right? What are you going to get out of this Milwaukee Bucks team? The meme that has been flying around for a lot of teams is like, I'm so excited to watch my team. Oh, my team sucks for like a majority of the game. And it's like, oh yeah, then we win. Like, 
you got to stop fucking around. Like, you got to start playing in the first and second quarter and wanting to play against these teams. Like, it needs to be, like, strap up your boots and get ready. They have to work on their first quarter execution. They just have to get easy buckets, right? I think that is on Adrian Griffin to figure out how do I fix those first quarter problems. What can we do? Can we do a, a quick pick and roll with Giannis and Dame, quick Giannis dunk, get it into the lane, finish it off and go. Or Dame freeze up for a three. All right, go get going. They got to figure out those first quarter problems and the Bucks have to want to play. Like they didn't want to play against the Portland Trailblazers. I don't know how much they want to play against the Washington Wizards. Uh, and so that's where they give up a lot of points. But when they want to play, they are really fucking good. Like, they allowed 34 second half points to that Portland Trailblazers team. 34. As pointed out by my guy Jimmy, the Blazers scored more in the second quarter than they did the entire second half. This team is elite when they want to be. They just have to be it a little more often. And that's where the frustrating part. And I think that's a, co- a little bit coaching, right? I think Griffin has to get them ready for these games. And in game, I think he's good. Like, I think he, you know, gets these guys where they need to be and, you know, makes sure and rides them and gets them to where, where it needs to be. Because as pointed out by, by other people, Bucks would have probably lost those two games against Bud. Like, are you confident that the Bucks would have beat the Warriors, or I'm sorry, the Wizards on on Friday without you know some of the shot making by Dame and sort of the attention that Dame draws? I don't think so. Do they beat? Do they come back and beat the Blazers? No, they probably lay down like they did against Charlotte uh, last year, where Charlotte came out red hot and they just let Charlotte win that game. It was a Friday night and they lost by like 40 points. I don't think that would have happened, you know, with Bud. I, I just don't. Uh, in terms of another positive, I, Giannis continues to play at an MVP level. Uh, even if no one's talking about it, uh, Giannis Antetokounmpo has been playing great basketball. Uh, we talked about it earlier in the importance rankings. Just things are so open for him. Another positive is Brooke Lopez is becoming a PNR king with Damian Lillard. Brooke is awesome as a role man. He was awesome kind of in that role with Drew Holiday. And we didn't see it enough with him and Holiday. Uh, Brooke is taking advantage of Damian Lillard and looking like an all-star, really. Uh, and the question is, is can Yana sort of take some of that from Brooke? Can Brooke work with Antetokounmpo? I think it's going to come with Yana seeing how many easy buckets Brooke Lopez is getting. Giannis is going to say, hey, I want those buckets too. So I think the fact that one guy is really sort of being the key pick and roll guy for Damian Lillard, I think that's going to come with Antetokounmpo. And I think it's going to come with other guys. I think by Portis, I think even, you know, Andre Jackson Jr., right? Or Marjan Bochamp. Like, I think all those guys can sort of learn from Lopez. And so the fact that one guy is doing it is encouraging to me. Another negative is the team has a nightlife streak in them. Uh, there was rumors. Uh, yeah, we'll go rumors because the guy was not a, it was like a faceless avatar, uh, was saying, I knew the Bucks were in trouble uh, tonight, today when, and this was for Sunday's game, when I saw Dame, Malik Beasley, Marjan Bochamp, and Bobby Portis all out at Lucid at 1 a.m. last night. Yeah, that that isn't good. <laughs> Like, you can't. And it was Beasley's birthday. And these guys went out and they got after it. Damian Lillard's single now, uh, living that single life. And yeah, it's not great. I uh, can't necessarily have that. And so now anytime you have a nightlife game or a nightlife city, I'm going to worry about this Bucks team because there are a few guys here that are loving that nightlife uh, scene, which is a little, little, little suspect.
Um, hopefully, uh, with Miami, they were able to kind of get it all out at 11 tonight. And they went out on Sunday night, and it's all good. And they just did a back-to-back sort of birthday celebration for bees. Monday is just a chill day for everybody, and we are we are at it, ready to go for Tuesday night in Miami. But yeah, the fact they have a nightlife streak in them is unlike some of the buck. And I think Adrian Griffin's a little more looser on it. I, I think Bud was pretty hard on that shit. I really do. Uh, just from all the sort of tea leaves that I, I kind of gather. Uh, another positive, the Bucks have the most wins in this league since November 3rd. I think, again... You're not going to apologize for how these wins happen. The Bucks have the most wins. That's that's notable. They're ten and three since November third. Like that's that's really good shit. And that again, going back to our point about focusing on the macro, uh, really matters. Other negative, Chris Middleton is hurt again. Uh, look, I I don't know what we have left with Chris Middleton. Um, this is it's getting to that point where we're in the danger zone now. Uh, it seems like whenever you know one step forward, two steps back with Chris. And now you have Achilles tendonitis. Uh, that's not exactly a great thing. Um, it's going to take some time. I don't think we'll see Middleton for a couple weeks here. Um, and yeah, it's, it's really a tough injury. And the Bucks are going to have to figure out, you know, how do they do this without Middleton? And for those who are wondering why they brought Middleton back, it's a Giannis thing. Giannis loves Chris Middleton. Giannis, Chris Middleton is Giannis's ride or die. And until Giannis says trade Chris, he's we're not going to do it. And I don't think they're going to get anything from Middleton. I, I do want to point that out. I saw some Bucks Twitter like, you got to start shopping Middleton. Look, who the fuck's going to take Chris Middleton? <laughs> no one's going to take Chris Middleton until the end of the year when he's an expiring deal. They will take Chris Middleton then. They will not take Chris Middleton now. Um, and I think that's really important. Um, I, I don't think a team's going to think, oh, well, we can revive Chris Middleton. And what's weird about just Middleton's injuries is the Bucks have a good training staff like and they're really they're they're really typically good so not have that with Middleton is unfortunate last thing um it's a positive and a negative we gotta have patience with Andre Jackson Jr. there's some really nice things for Andre Jackson Jr. Andre Jackson Jr. is going to be a very good player for this Bucks team by by February it's just I think the frustration of why he doesn't play more I think you just gotta wait like it's gonna take time he's still sort of getting his sea legs under him I think Playing anywhere from 12 to 18 minutes a game right now for Jackson Jr. is fine. Uh, I hope that that upticks more. I hope you put him in clutch situations sooner rather than later. But I, I do love the energy that he brings and can be that wing defender that I think the Bucks desperately need. And you pair him with Damian Lillard and Malik Beasley and it, it can go a very long way. We'll see what happens with the in-season tournament on when, on Tuesday night. We'll obviously have the podcast after reacting to all the things that happened in that game. All right, let's wrap up today's show talking about week 12 in the NFL and how it affects the Green Bay Packers. First thing, I'm happy to see Kansas City get out of their funk. Kansas City scores 31 points. They score points in the second half. Uh, Mahomes had 298 yards. Rashid Rice, over 100 yards. Kelsey had a big day. Uh, Pacheco, even though he didn't have the yards, he still scored two touchdowns. Like, I am just thrilled the Chiefs were sort of able to figure things out and the Chiefs were able to play solid football, right? Like, I think if you're going into this game with the Packers and Chiefs next week with the Chiefs on a two-game losing streak, that would be the worst possible thing that, that could be happening. But the fact that now Kansas City won a game, I'm not saying they're going to overlook the Packers, but I, I do think that that adds, you know, a sort of at least the Chiefs, 
not necessarily being like so desperate for a victory. So I, I think that is important to at least, you know, not necessarily get the Chiefs reeking of desperation. The Falcons winning the NFC North is very important to the Green Bay Packers. Packers lost the Falcons. I, I don't know how the fuck they did. Um, I, that game, it, we could talk all the time about frustrating Packer losses. There are like three of them, right? You know, the Packers easily could be leading this division or very close to it. You know, the Falcons, the Broncos, the Raiders, even the Steelers, like those are all games that were on the table, potential wins for Green Bay. But because they don't have the tiebreaker against the Falcons, the Falcons need to win that division. I, I think they're in pole position. Uh, the Saints, I, look, Derek Carr is a mess. Derek Carr, I, like, he just is not a good quarterback. And I think if they had Jameis, they'd be a lot better. I think they don't want to admit that they were wrong. I think Dennis Allen's a shit coach. I, we just need the Falcons to put away that division, win it, because you do have the tiebreaker against the Saints. If the Saints do figure out a way to win some games and hang around the wild card, the Packers do have that tiebreaker. They do not have it against the Falcons. So we need the Falcons to keep winning football games. So that was a great win for them. That's very important for the Packers and their playoff position. The Tim Speed staying in the NFC North, or, or excuse me, NFC South, the Buccaneers get closer and closer, have nothing to play for by 12-17. So the Buccaneers are four and seven. They lose to the Indianapolis Colts uh, on the road. Uh, they are not a very good team, you know, in terms of when they lose. Uh, Todd Bowles is not necessarily a motivator. Uh, Indy, he, his teams have been known for long losing streaks. Now they have Carolina next week. Uh, Carolina just looks absolutely a complete mess. Um, and then they have Atlanta. So if they if they do win both those games and they're six and seven, they're A, right in the race in the NFC South, but B, they they're still have a lot to play for. If they lose one of those games and they have eight losses, that, that Packer game becomes more of like, all right, do we look at Kyle Trask? Do we see what we have there? Like they start sort of focusing on next year. That Buccaneers team, you know, went healthy. They have a ton of talent. Uh, but the fact is, is they always get hurt. You know, Jamal Dean missed uh, on Sunday. It didn't, I don't remember if Levante David played, but they have a lot of injuries on that defense. And so that, that defense does not have the depth. And that's sort of the problem of Tampa. Uh, but that, that's definitely a game that could be significant for the Packers or it could just be, you know, the Packers, you know, having that advantage and being, you know, a four or five point favorite if they are kind of rolling and, you know, let's say they won one next week, they are in much better position. Uh, the Giants are coming back to life somewhat. Like, I don't know, are we supposed to buy into the Giants winning the last two games, right? You know, I, I do think there's somewhat of a regression to the mean, right? Law of large averages. You're going to start winning some football games and the Patriots are just a absolute clusterfuck and the Giants are less of one. They beat the Washington Commanders too. So is this real? Are the Giants, you know, starting to kind of figure it out with Tommy DeVito, which is this great story and all the overplayed Soprano stuff. It's like, we kind of fucking get it. It's like Creed. Like we get all the Tommy DeVito Italian stuff. Like it's fun. But it's like, how much more Tommy DeVito Italian stuff do we need to do? We, like, we get it. Just like everybody loving Creed all of a sudden, which is just, you know, it's all drop, it's all ginned up for engagement, in my opinion. But anyways, uh, I, that Giants game is a little more interesting. You know, I, I think it's hard to play at MetLife. I think because of the injury concern, like I'm very worried about all our guys at MetLife. Uh, but can the Packers, you know, pull that out? And will it be Tyrod Taylor? Uh, right, and so if the Giants do win again this week, I didn't see who they have. They're five and eight, and all of a sudden they're kind of back in it. They might have a bye, so I'm not sure. But anyways, it's 
I, I do think that the Giants are a little bit better than what we saw earlier this year. Jordan Love's going to get a lot of blitzing too, and he's struggled against the blitz a bit uh, with Wink Markendale. There is some drama potentially with Martindale and Dable. I know Dable rejected that, but Jay Glazer usually is right on these sort of things. Frank Wright will not be the Panthers coach for 12-24, uh, the Packers-Panthers game. That game still terrifies the shit out of me. Uh, it's Christmas Eve. You're away from your family. You're playing a Panthers team that has nothing to lose, right? Because they need to keep winning football games to make the Bears draft pick look, you know, way, I guess, quote unquote, worse, right? They, It's probably still going to be a top 10 pick. There's nothing that the Panthers can probably do to not make it a top 10 pick but at least it not be a top five. I think that's going to be the goal for Carolina for the end of the year. So I, I do worry about playing Carolina at the wrong time. I, I've said that for weeks now, that that game scares the living shit out of me. The Broncos loss keeps looking better. Like I realize that's not the NCAA tournament where resume wins and shit like that. But if it were, that Broncos loss does not look as bad as it did. Uh, you were right there at the end with them. That was another game where either or. Uh, that brought, Since then, really, the Broncos have taken off. They've won five straight games. They are right in the thick of it in the AFC playoff race. Uh, everything that people have thought about with Sean Payton and Russell Wilson is kind of coming true. Um, and yeah, the Broncos, and their, their defense is full of badasses. Like they play dirty but they're full badasses. Like, I'm sorry, they are they are a dirty team, but it's they, they definitely play with a swagger about them and kind of reestablishing mile high being a very tough place to play. The Rams win could be really important. Uh, you gotta think if you're doing a Rams podcast today, you're wondering, wow, we had to have two, two, two weeks of Brett Rippon and that could cost us a playoff spot. You know, they're five and six, they're, they're right in it uh, in terms of the playoff hunt. And then lastly, this has nothing to do with the Packers, but or their playoffs. Eagles are so fucking shaky at nine and one. Like, dude, I have no idea how this Eagles team's nine and one. None. They have now played the Cowboys. They've now played who do they play? The or the, yeah, the Cowboys. This game against the Bills. Oh, the, there was another one where they oh the Chiefs. And they, they're just pulling games out of their ass. Like, and granted, again, we talked about this just with the Bucs. Like, the Bucs are kind of pulling games out of their ass. But it's a little different in the NFL. When you're pulling games out of your ass, at some point, you're going to fuck around and find out. They have to play the 49ers this Sunday. We'll see. Can you keep pulling games out of your ass, right? And that's what the Eagles have been doing. I don't know how good this Eagles team is. I just don't. Like, they're 9-1. But do you really feel good about this Eagles team? Do you, like, yeah, there's, there's something to them in the fourth quarter, but... Man, ah, Jake Elliott hit a 59-yard field goal. I couldn't believe it. That was great fucking game. I feel very bad for the Bills. I love Josh Allen, but man, what a game. All right, that does it for today's show. We will be back on Wednesday. Uh, we'll talk in-season tournament. Marquette plays Southern. We'll recap that. And I'm sure get ready for Packers Chiefs. All right, guys, we'll see you then. Take care. Bye.